Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Sorry, I was a little noisy there as the as the intro was playing. Well, good morning. It's a, it's a great day here in the great state of Texas, Dripping Springs, Texas. We're about an hour outside of Austin, uh, and uh, this is where our studios, One Radio Network, are located. Thanks for joining us. We, we do a show most every morning, 10 o'clock Central Time. Uh, look on BitChute. You'll find the link to BitChute on the top of our front page of One Radio Network. And you can go to all of our videos. And then all of our audios are right here underneath the, this uh, stream. Starting with today's, you know, we put it up a couple hours after the show. And then going all the way back into 2008 when we started this particular program. So 3,000, I mean, you know, figured out shows of all kinds of things with health, wealth, and well-being. And you can use our search function there at the top right and search for everything, no cost. We make a living by promoting really, really nice products that you'll see on the right hand of the page. So if you have some Federal Reserve notes, such as they are, and you'd like to exchange for some really cool things We have a great selection of items uh, that will help you with your health. We also have uh, uh, a wonderful relationship with uh, U.S. Coin Capital, uh, who we've known for, gosh, 25 years, and they are really a a great spot if you want to look into uh, numismatic coins or also just currency silver, pre-65 dimes, quarters, halves, and silver dollars which uh, the way things are going, we, we may be needing them someday. I don't know. So we're going to have fun this morning. If you care to join us, uh, uh, the 800 number is being used by our guest because he d- doesn't do video. So we are. Uh, so you can send in a question for Brandon Smith, independent journalist, and uh, by Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Brandon's a good man. He's on the show from time to time. He has a great website called Alt market.com and he's a, a commentator and an independent journalist and he writes some cool things he's a g- critical thinker and we need more of those and um, I saw a uh, an article on one of my places that I go hedge fund sorry a zero hedge and the title is young people turn to collectivism because of these psychological disparities and I read that one I said man this would be good to talk to So I invited him on, and he's in the great state of Montana, uh, in Eureka, Montana. Brandon Smith, good morning, sir. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me back. Sure, 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 sure. The great state of Montana, baby. I tell you, I was just asking Brandon all about Montana before we went on the air. I think we should all move there. Of course, everybody else is, right, Brandon? Yeah, especially now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the past past year or so... um, I think uh, they have the biggest influx of um, new, new. Uh, what, what, I guess what we call them, migrants. <laughs> migrants, <yeah. laughs> new migrants coming across um, the border, huh? Yeah, that they've. I think they've had in a very, very long time. So uh, there, it's, it's uh, in a way, it's good because I think you know the, all the people that I've met that are new, they're all conservatives. They're all preppers. They're all uh, oh, great you know, really, um, you know, keyed into what's going on. That's, you know, why they're coming to Montana, of yes, course. Uh, but 
of course, at the same time, it's you know drives up the property prices like crazy. Sure, so. Sure. that's just the way it goes. So, has Montana been um, a, a, a great state um, to be as far if you're a freedom lover, independent kind of libertarian sort? Yeah, actually, we were the first state to uh, where the legislature passed uh, laws against the mandates. Really? To block, to block the mandates, yeah. So we were the first state to pass a law saying that, actually, that, that, uh, private, um, that any government institution or private business could not mandate a vaccine. Yes, sir. Our governor here has followed suit with that, and... and uh, Abbott, and as you know, also uh, in Florida, and I think a couple other states, maybe Oklahoma, I'm not sure. So there's a few states kind of getting around. I wish you guys were closer and we could just kind of join up with you and start a new country or something. Yeah, you know, actually, I, I, I get a lot of Canadians who, because, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we get, we're right here up against um, Alberta, and, and a right. lot of Canadians are talking about they, they'd rather join us than be a part of Canada anymore. Yeah, well, you know, Trudeau, as you know, he's just out of control. Yeah, just really out of control. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what you see going on. And, and so explain to our listeners and to myself, frankly, exactly what collectivism is. Collectivism. I Well, you know, I think a lot of people have a misconception about what collectivism is. I think a lot of people think all it is is people grouping together and acting as one unit. Um, the, the issue with that is it doesn't completely describe what collectivism really is. Um, in order to do that, you have to understand that it's involuntary. So people being grouped together to act as one unit, but involuntarily, they're being forced to group together. Uh, otherwise, there's consequences. Either the group, uh, you know, provides those consequences, or someone in charge, you know, uh, enforces consequences. That's what makes collectivism. If if a, people are just grouping together voluntarily, then that, I would call that community. That's that's mm-hmm. just community. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they're forced, that's collectivism. And what would be a, a good example of collectivism going on now? Say, and is it fair to say mostly in the more left-leaning cities of the country? Yes, blue states uh, especially, mm-hmm. and the people that support the mandates, uh, the, the vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and the mask mandates, uh, you could say that that's um, the closest thing to the definition of collectivism that, that I can think of. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going on with these people? You've really thought about this. Uh, as far as uh, why are they their psychological this? makeup and yeah, why why are they buying into this? Uh, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I think for one, there are a lot of people out there who do not know how to live independently, mm. and they fear the idea of living independently. So what they do is they look for safety in numbers. They look for safety in groups. Uh, to the point that they're willing to give up a lot of their personal freedoms just to be a part of that group or that that collective uh, in order to feel safer and more secure. Hmm. And that's a, that's a huge problem, uh, you know, because those people, they may not necessarily, 
have a problem with you or me individually, but they're willing to give up not just their own freedoms, but you know your freedoms and my freedoms in order to get that kind of feeling of security that they're looking for. So can we conjecture, or you conjecturing, that it's maybe just a fear-based thing, They just, or they've never learned how to take care of themselves? Yeah, this is, <clears throat> I think this is a, a majority of people think this way in terms of the people that join uh, collectivist movements and, and uh, you know, government authoritarianism. I think a lot of these people are, are just, you know, they're a little bit self-serving, they're afraid, and they're willing to do almost anything to get rid of that fear um, or that feeling of fear. Now, there are also, uh, there's also another contingent of people who are just, uh, you know, narcissistic and perhaps a bit sociopathic. And what they see in these events, such as the, the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns and the mandates, what they see in that event is an opportunity to attack uh, their political opponents or their ideological opponents. So there are some people, especially on the political left these days, who would like to use the COVID mandates as a way to hurt people like you and me who they uh, violently disagree with in terms of uh, ideology. Hmm. So so you're, you're thinking then that this was a well-planned out event, this COVID thing? It definitely seems that way, just according to, you know, the evidence at hand. There's mm -hmm. definitely uh, a very <clears throat> small group of people who benefit and who gain a lot of power. And the same group of people, which I, I call globalists, uh, they have been trying to push for a lot of these uh, different, you know, legislative controls, uh, social controls, censorship uh, locking down people's movements, um, forcing people to join, you know, massive, uh, you know, national or international databases, all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, uh, uh, digital currency systems, uh, you know, the sharing economy where it's basically, you know, the te technological communism. Uh, all of these things they've been pushing for for quite some time. And yes, now with, with the pandemic, and the COVID, and the response to COVID, they are trying to get all of those things all at once, and they've gotten uh, a lot of what they've wanted uh, in at least overseas uh, just in the past year or so. Why, why, why do the the mainstream media they seem to target these young people? I mean, well, they kind of they, they kind of are part of the deal, right? They're really uh, they're. Are they trying to convince these young people that they need to do this thing, these things together to protect them from all the white guys and racism and stuff? Yeah, well, it, it, they, they target younger people specifically. Um, you know, it's, it's not only young people that support this, but it is young people that they tend to uh, aim most of their propaganda at and their, most of their efforts at. Uh, and they they aim their propaganda at younger people specifically because uh, younger people are more inclined to join 
collectivist movements. And the reason for that mm. is, <clears throat> you know, at least in my view, is that a lot of younger people, they've, they've grown up um, knowing only one way of survival. Uh, they've grown up their whole lives uh, surviving because of the empathy and charity of other people, right? Really? So like you, government, when you're a child, or government or mom and dad? From mom and dad, right? You're, you're, you're. As a child, you're basically completely dependent on other people in order, f- you know, for your for your survival. Mm-hmm. And once they get to an age, you know, say, you know, eighteen to to twenty five, maybe they're starting to, uh, you know, g- get away from the the parents a little bit, get away from the house a little bit, get out on their own. A lot of them don't. A lot of them stay. Uh, well into their late twenties into their thirties um, these days, but a lot of them they get out into the world a little bit and they're sort of horrified to realize that uh, the way that they've survived, you know, for their entire life uh, through the empathy and charity of others. That's not how the world works. Yes, sir. In a lot of cases, um, once you get out in, into the real world, you're on your own. And you have to be able to do things for yourself and take care of yourself, and that's that truly terrifies them. And uh, the fact that they've they've lived on empathy for so long, they they get out into the real world and they wonder, well, why can't the real world, the adult world, um, you know, run on empathy as well? And they want to make the rest of the world much like their childhood was hmm. and make it so e- everyone can survive in the real world on empathy and charity yeah. uh, just like they did in their childhood. They want to make the world um, like their childhood forever. And that's just not, it's not healthy for one, it's not psychologically healthy for people to want to remain children for the rest of their lives yes, yeah. and be taken care of. And uh, number two, it's it's um, creates this environment where you're handing over power to some some other entity. Because if you're if your mom and dad aren't taking care of you, you know, and you're lo- still looking to remain a child, well, you're going to look for another parent. And the government is the most um, you know convenient parent figure. <laughs> or parent yeah. entity right. that somebody that it, somebody's going to find out there in the world, and the government is more than happy to uh, be your mommy and be your daddy. Uh, you know, if you're willing to give all, over all your freedoms and do everything they tell you. We're talking with Brandon Smith, uh, Alt Hyphen Market. It's a dot us, right? Dot us now. Yes. Yeah. Dot us. He's got some great articles, and you can sign up and get on his mailing list and stuff. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. But some of this, the way you're describing these young people, uh, is very similar to some friends of mine that used to talk to me, uh, liberal friends, you know, great people, sweet, you know, who are 40, 50, 60, 70, uh, very close to just a liberal, progressive ideology, ideologically about the way the world should be. Sure, and I, you know, some people never leave leave that mentality, mm. um, and that's that's a big problem. I think that in general, if you look in in throughout history, if you look at communist movements such as uh, the Bolsheviks, or especially uh, the um, communist movements in China, such as the Cultural Revolution, they almost always target 
younger people first because if they can get people at that age to support uh, collect, a collectivist movement, uh, then generally those people will stay trapped in that mentality for the rest of their lives. And they'll be, you know, avid supporters of the party until, you know, the day they die. That's fascinating. Um, so it looks as if the globalists controlling uh, this current uh, administration and the guest they have for a long time, they are going to do everything they can to continue this behavior with whatever they're going to do, the Fed coin with the, on the smart, you know, on the phones and maybe uh, guaranteed income and uh, relieving debt, all the kind of stuff they, they, it appears that they have in mind, right? Yes, and I, I would, I, I'm thinking it, at least economically, I, I think that that's sort of uh, the key to what's actually going on, and the, that's the real agenda. I think the COVID, the lockdowns and the mandates and the battle over that, that's very important, but it's almost a distraction from the economic situation that's going on and the fact that, you know, we have uh, a, sort of a subversive form of stagflation like a stagflationary crisis yes, is creeping into our system right now. And, uh, I mean, if you look at, you can look at the government stats, and those aren't quite, you know, accurate as far as the CPI and inflation. Um, if you look at the old way of calculating inflation, um, which they used back in the 1990s, and they sort of tried to, they've tried to get rid of uh, over the decades, if you look at that method of calculation, we're actually probably double the inflation right. that the government it yes, makes to. Yes, and if you include, you know, energy, housing, um, mm-hmm. food, that sort of thing, which they don't include in CPI, uh, you know, we're looking at close to 20% inflation right now. you think it's that high? Is, wow. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's that high. My, I mean, my personal uh, expenses, expenses have uh, gone up at least 20% right. um, in the past year and a half. So it's it's really creeping in fast, and uh, I think that that is the real sort of uh, social control mechanism is that inflation. Because if it continues this way, if it can, or if it accelerates even more, then what you have is uh, you know a massive number of people out there who you know they have no savings, um, they're living <clears throat> hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you know, and the the money that they're getting through their jobs, there's it's unlikely that wages will be able to keep up with the uh, the rising prices right. and the inflation. So they're going to be looking for some way, some sort of extra boost in order to uh, survive and pay their bills. And you know, there's mommy and daddy government. Uh, waiting there to give them UBI, you know, universal basic income. Mm-hmm. And they've already kind of started, you know, introducing people to that with the COVID checks. Yep. You know, if you recall, uh, a lot of, you know, even even to this day, uh, a lot of small businesses and, and some larger businesses have had trouble finding uh, people to fill uh, employment. There's There's massive labor shortages going on. And that's because the government was handing, you know, just raining down COVID checks on people for the past year and a half. And, uh, you know, there was really no reason for them 
to work. They were getting more money sitting at home and collecting COVID checks and unemployment than, than they would if they actually worked a nine-to-five. So the, the government's already kind of introduced people a little bit to, to UBI and given them a taste of it. And, and people, you know, they like free money. Um, the problem with UBI and, and these checks is uh, once you get acclimated to that kind, that kind of money coming in from government, that, that regular money, uh, you won't be able to live without it. Uh, and when you're not able to live without a thing, if you're that dependent on government, then they're going to be able to control your life. So what that means is, uh, say you have UBI uh, in the United States, <clears throat> and uh, the government decides that, well, you don't get your UBI check uh, next month unless you get the vaccine. Yes, sir. Or you're a business that's receiving, uh, you know, UBI in the form of, uh, you know, COVID stimulus or PPP whatever. loans or right, whatever. Whatever it is, right. Uh, they, they can, one day they come to you and they say, uh, you know, your business will no longer receive stimulus from us if you continue to hire people who are unvaccinated. Uh, or you need to start asking for vaccine passports from your customers at the door. Otherwise, we're taking away the, the money. Um, you know, that's the, big, that's the big fear for me is that people will get acclimated to that money mm -hmm. and then the government will have total control over what they do. It feels, that, feels like that's their plan, right? I mean, just from the cheap seats in the bleachers here, Brandon. Yeah, I, I would say that there's definitely elements of this of the whole COVID agenda that I think have failed and that I, I don't think they expected, especially in the United States. So you have, uh, you know, a massive number of people who are refusing to get the, the, uh, the jab, even in uh, states where, you know, blue states where they're, right. they're threatening to take away, you know, take away their, their jobs and their livelihood. Yes, sir. <laughs> they, I think they really thought, well, we'll just threaten their job, and then they'll do what we say. And it, it's not playing out that way. So now in states like New York, you have uh, a, num a great number of hospitals that are either shutting down or are on the verge of shutting down because they've had to get rid of you know, 30 to 40% of their staff um, because they're unvaccinated. And you know these people are not going to... Uh, cave in. They're not going to submit. It doesn't matter if you threaten their job or not. Um, so they, I don't think they expected that. And, you know, you can only bring in the National Guard for so long to sort of fill some of these roles that, they, you know, the National Guardsmen don't have the skill sets to just continue filling the, the void in, you know, places like hospitals or, yeah. you know, for firefighters or whatever. Um, they just don't have those skill sets. So it's it's a really big thing that there's that much resistance, especially in the U.S., and now you even have uh, courts blocking by the, the federal mandate that Biden tried yeah, to Yeah, several, several um, federal courts, right, Brandon? They have said the mandates are not lawful. But then the Supreme Court two days ago, we talked about it with a constitutional fellow an hour ago, the Supreme Court two days ago... Uh, uh, suggested that the mandates uh, for the healthcare workers in New York were okay. Wow. Well, they di they didn't say they were okay. The the Supreme Court uh, refused to look to hear, at the case to look yeah at it, to right. hear the case. But isn't so, that the same thing? No. Uh, 
well, some, it depends on who you talk okay. to. <laughs> some people might see it as uh, them saying, you know, giving the thumbs up for the mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, others would say, well, they're afraid to touch on the issue at this po- at this stage. Uh-huh. Um, eventually, they'll be forced to. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's unfortunate. But I, I'm I never, you know, the the Supreme Court doesn't have a great track record as far as no, sir. personal freedoms when it comes to medical issues. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and, you know, I hope you're correct because I'd hate to see uh, oh, Barrett and Kavanaugh go to the dark side on us, you know. <laughs> we could be in big trouble. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it matters, though, if even if the Supreme Court decided that they're going right. to put, put their full weight behind the mandates and, and support Biden. Um I think that a lot of the red states, will, especially, will say, you know what, we don't care. We don't care. Um, and, and it feels like that's where we're going, doesn't it? I mean, it really feels like with people like you and I and others out there in states like Montana, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, Tennessee, they're beginning to really talk like this. I mean, it's just, just we don't care. You know, you guys don't have control over us. Yeah, and it, it, we basically become too different countries yes, at this point because what you're seeing is you're seeing the all these the smart people uh the you know liberty-minded people they're getting the heck out of these blue states as fast as they possibly can and they're coming in into red states uh to set up shop and you know a lot of them they're bringing their businesses with them yes, they're sir. bringing their their money and their tax dollars with them and uh you're seeing you know uh red state economies are booming while blue state uh, economies are dwindling and their populations are dwindling, so it, it, it's uh, it's almost like if you if you drive from it's it's weird to me hmm. that if you drive from say Texas or Montana uh, over to the West Coast, you can just see the change as you get closer and closer to the coast. No kidding. Just, Really? Just the amount, and I, I did this over the summer. I, I drove through uh, Oregon and Washington State, and you could just see the change uh, as far as the population and this, the you know the masks. Um, you go through uh, Eastern Washington State, for example, and nobody's wearing a mask. But then you get closer and closer to Seattle, and then everybody's just wearing a mask, and everybody looks afraid. And uh, there's there's you know digital signs everywhere telling people get get your vaccine get your vaccine. Um, it it gets uh, pretty creepy when you know go into w- one of these blue states, especially close to the metropolitan areas. It's a completely different country over there. Isn't that fascinating? And it's more of what we originally start to talk about in your article. That I don't know how it's just. Maybe people feel better just doing what everybody else is. Well, too. That's part of it. I think also it's just you're surrounded by people who are, uh, you know, politically inclined to to submit. So you're you're dealing with more and more leftists in these areas, in these counties, and and in these states. And uh, if you're say a conservative or just maybe just a sort of more liberty-minded moderate, uh, you know, you feel like you're an alien <laughs> in the, in the uh, in your, or you're, maybe you're surrounded by aliens and they've just taken over. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people, this is sort of the line in the sand and they're just, they're not willing to 
give up their their freedom and their way of life uh, to stay in that in those states or in those counties. So they're they're coming over to the red states, and it's I think it's really we're we're starting to divide, um, you know, or we basically we have been divided, but now it's becoming much more clear, you know, how divided yeah. we really are. And Brandon Smith, it it must be even more deep psychologically, spiritually than just people who watch the news, right? There's more going on with these folks. Yeah, I think that the, the mainstream media is sort of a, a tool to to manipulate, but, you know, the, the average, I, I don't know, a single conservative or a single liberty person that sits down and just watches the mainstream Not news anymore, yeah, nobody other does. Other than yeah. to kind of see what the other side is saying. Right. Um, <laughs> or what the propaganda of the, the flavor of the, the month is as right. far as propaganda. Right. Um, that's the only reason they might look at the, the mainstream news. I, I think that there's definitely uh, deep-seated psychological differences between a person that uh, joins the left versus a person that joins yes, the sir. right. I enjoy listening to NPR if I drive to Austin just to see what they're going to do. I mean, it's just so obvious, you know? Every question. Every guest, just to tell. Oh, sure, and and <laughs> if you you know coming from our world where you know we deal with this stuff on a regular basis as far as the news yeah. and, and looking at and and dissecting the propaganda and the type of people that we're around as far as you know liberty-minded people, you you then immerse yourself in something like NPR uh, or MSNBC, <laughs> and it's. And you're, you're you feel like you're you just uh, you know it, they're speaking a completely different language. It's, it's like, like a, Chinese, a whole yeah. other a whole other country, whole different society. Yeah, it's that's completely separate from from our own, and it, it's it's truly bizarre it, to to yes, watch sir. these people operate and and to see the things they they say. Um, it's just completely outside of rea- the reality that you and I come to know uh, through actually looking objectively at the facts. Do you think there's ever been a time, Brandon Smith, when there's been this much of a disconnect, a different reality with people in this country? Could it be during the Civil War, maybe? Well, you know, I I don't think so. I yeah. I can't think of I can't think of off the top of my head a single moment in U.S. history where we've been this um, divided, decoupled, mm-hmm. decoupled from each other. A good word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Psychologically and and ideologically, just completely decoupled. And I I think that's I would owe that to just definitely the amount of propaganda and the manufacturing of consent that happens with the political left. Um, and it, it's funny because a lot of the, you know, a lot, there's conservatives out there who they see the, you know, propaganda campaigns such as critical race theory, uh, social justice, all of these things that are, that are being implemented by leftists, and they think that that's sort of necessarily targeted at them when it's really not. It's not targeted at conservatives per se, it's actually targeted. Those propaganda campaigns are targeted at other leftists and uh, people, you know, Democrats and people that lean more left, because those people actually care 
about being called a bigot or being called a racist or whatever else, a misogynist. <laughs> those people think oh. those words, they think those words mean something still. Um, you and I both know that those words have no meaning whatsoever sure. anymore, right. that they just use, they throw those words at anybody to try to control you. Um, so it has no effect on us. We, I, we could not care less. No. <laughs> you know, but somebody on the left, they're, they're deathly afraid of being called a bigot or a racist oh. or whatever else. Huh. Um, that's more of a control mechanism for other leftists. Interesting. Brandon, uh, we want to take a little break here. Can you hang out a minute? i got some other questions. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Stay there. Brandon Smith, alt-market.us. At the end of the night, the only place I want to go is back into my bedroom. And the supplement I take with me is Sir Thrival's Taboo Aphrodisia. It's an erotic herbal elixir made with several different aphrodisiac herbs and two key nutraceuticals. It's finished off with cacao, maple syrup, and a little vanilla bean for a super sexy flavor. And what it's designed to do is increase blood flow for both men and women. Come to bed, baby. Don't worry, we're married. wonderful product and uh, it is uh, one of uh, the sweeter products that you're going to find on Sir Thrival. Uh, uh, the taboo elk velvet antler pine pollen for all of you guys you want to kind of yeah, you want here's a little bit more about taboo. Daniel Vitalis is here and we're talking about his new product taboo that really has short-term and long-term effects on the libido and the whole sexual experience? We really wanted to redefine the category. You know, we wanted something that worked in the short term that would help increase the blood flow to erectile tissue, the penis, the vagina, the clitoris, the nipples. We wanted something that would increase blood flow to that erectile tissue, but we also wanted something that would work on the long term, helping to increase sex hormone in both men and women to give people a better quality of sex life over time as well. And we wanted to do that in a formula that tasted delicious. In other words, we wanted something that when you tasted it, you kind of wanted to take another dose. And we achieved all three of those things. It's delicious. It works tonight. And then it works over the course of time as well. So this is a really great investment in your sex life and something that you and your lover are going to really enjoy sharing together. Well, okay, then sounds like a plan. If you're interested, you can get Taboo and all Sir Thrival products on sale Right now, 10% off through November 7th. Just use promo code ONERADIO for this new product, Taboo, and all survival products. You can order right now any survival link on OneRadioNetwork.com. Previously, we were talking with Brandon about the Blue Shield EMF device, and he says it goes out 90 yards in all directions. It's an omnidirectional field that, if you think about a huge sphere that's expanding, that's that's essentially what the waveform pattern looks like. Oh, that's cool. So it's putting frequencies into the body, and then how does that work in relation to electromagnetic field that's coming in in the walls and the windows through a cell phone tower down the street? Yeah, so the cell repeaters and Wi-Fi and all this electromagnetic radiation in, in, the, um, in the environment, people mistakenly think that this is somehow going to act like a shield and block the radiation and make it not appear on any kind of tri-field meter or any measuring device. And that's simply not the case. It's more of a, an energy medicine, so to speak, where it's, it's stimulating the bodies at the cellular level to create a cellular response to make all the individual cells much stronger and more 
able to adapt to the EMF stressors. So that's number one on the physical or the somatic level where the body is experiencing a decrease in stress from electromagnetic fields. If you're interested, you can click on the Blue Shield ad on the front page of One Radio Network. Use promo code One Radio, or also contact Brandon through his website there when you click, and he'll give you more information. Front page Blue Shield EMF protection device on OneRadioNetwork.com. Got a lot of good feedback on this product. It goes out 90 yards, and you put one the cube center of your home, and it just kind of helps everybody, including your pets. Just do better with these things that are kind of everywhere, especially if you're in the city, you have cell phone towers, and uh, we don't recommend uh, people do Wi-Fi, but folks love convenience, and I know so many people that have Wi-Fi in their home because they want to have their kids look on their phones on the on the couch, and so what can I tell you? Uh, not a good idea, but if you're going to do that, get one of these guys, and uh, and then also... You get this little puppy, and this is a personal one, and it's about the size of a credit card. It's, well, it's a whole lot thicker, but you can put it right in your pocket, and this does the same thing to help you. It goes out about 15 feet, so if you're on an airplane or you're driving around in town with a lot of cell phone towers, um, this is a great thing just to hang around. It just help your body to withstand and deal uh, with these... Uh, um, vibrations and frequencies that are just not conducive uh, to health. So we know it's true. Uh, we've seen the science. Uh, we don't get freaked about it because we we know we're strong enough to deal with a lot of things spiritually. I mean, that's the way we live. But, uh, you know, uh, we talk about trusting God and tie your camel around here. Let's not get crazy and do everything we, we can. Before we go back to Brandon, just a quick reminder about our sauna. I'm in this little puppy every night, day of my life, and uh, what I do is not important to what your life, but I'll tell you, it's just a, it's a wonderful tool. You will sweat, and it works on uh, all of the organs in the body to help them detox. It's really even been proven with this sauna, where they've taken a urine analysis, for example, and see how much mercury and lead and stuff is coming out, and we all get these things in the air. So we're always peeing things out, and we're always detoxing. It's just the way the body is. It's pretty cool. And then you can sit in this sauna for 30 minutes. I've seen the science, and there's more. Check that out. There's more uh, heavy metals and stuff coming out of the pee, and I would suspect they didn't do the research, but I would suspect out of the feces as well. So it's just not going through the skin, but it's helping your kidneys and liver and everybody else uh, get rid of stuff that you don't want hanging around so you can live a whole long time and watch us uh, find a new constitutional republic or whatever we're going to do. And the only way to get the best price is to email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. That's the only way. Otherwise, you're going to be paying too much even going through our website. Don't do that. Email me, patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Talk with an interesting fellow. He comes on from time to time. He's a good guy. Brandon Smith lives out in Montana. His website is alt-market.us. He writes a lot of articles and is a commentator and a news researcher and political commentator. So, Brandon, let's, before we go, let's talk about the money. 
we kind of get the idea that there is going to be a Fed coin. I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to do a Fed coin, a digital currency. And the word on the street around the campfire is they want to tie this thing into uh, the phone uh, with vaccine passports. And as you alluded to, telling people that will give you a universal basic income or will give you some money as long as we do what we tell you. You think that's, that's close, right? I mean, you think that's coming. Yeah, they've essentially openly admitted that that's the plan. If you look at some of the documents coming from the World Economic Forum, if you look at certain countries like China um, or India where they have openly sort of tried to institute digital currencies um, or, you know, in the case of China, they've actively tried to make it so... Uh, the the public is pressured into using their phones for right. most of their transactions, and they they do that using what's what are called Q QR codes, and uh, QR codes are basically apps that are downloaded to your phone. And you're giving us you're given a special code which is used to track um, everything that you do, all of your purchases, everywhere that you go. Um, that is already being implemented in certain parts of the world right now, and they would very much like to do that in the United States. I don't think that they will be successful here. I think there's there's definitely too much resistance. Um, I, I think I can say that pretty confidently now really? after yeah. a, a couple of years of seeing where, you know, it was really touch and go there in the beginning. It, it was hard to tell uh, which way, which direction the country would go. Um, but in the U.S., it seems like there's a, a massive amount of resistance, and I'm, I'm very uh, happy to be living in this country right now, um, especially in a, in a red state. It, it seems like this is the place to be, best place in the world to be right now. Yeah, can they make it difficult for us freedom-loving folks um, to conduct commerce and all that if they go ahead with and just go ahead head, Brandon, and get the low-hanging fruit to do this whole digital FedCoin thing. Do you know what I'm asking? Well, that's the main weapon that they have to try to use against uh, conservatives and and the red states and Mm -hmm. um, people who refuse to submit to the the vaccine is economic uh, consequences. So I, I, I do believe at some point what Biden and the federal government will attempt to do is punish red states for not going along with the mandates. And I don't think that um, the mandates will stop. Uh, I think that right now, especially with Omicron, uh, the, you know, the impression that a lot of people are getting, and it's, it's a correct one, is that the COVID is basically over with. It's yeah. done. Uh, but there's always going to be new variants. There's always going to be new mutations, and they're going to try to find one that they can hype up and uh, come at us with mm-hmm. as far as, you know, bringing the mandates back. And I think that this is going to be an ongoing thing for the foreseeable future. And uh, it's just luck- lucky that we live where we do. Uh, if you go to places like Australia or New Zealand or even, you know, a place like Canada, uh, the restrictions are... are yeah. uh, extremely draconian uh even in you know if you look at uh, a supposed western democracy like australia they have 
actual COVID uh, prison camps. I, I, see I, yeah. I, I don't know what else to call them. You, you know, they're, they're prison camps. They lock you up there for a certain amount of time. You're not allowed to, to leave. If you try to leave, they, you get arrested, um, which I don't know is kind of ironic, I guess. Um, but <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the camps themselves, you, you don't even necessarily need to be sick to be put in there. Um, there are a lot of people who have no symptoms who are being put in there. And uh, there's videos uh, leaking out of some of these camps, and the, there are rules that are, you know, definitely bizarre. They're not even scientific, like you're not allowed to cross the yellow line on your porch and, and things like that. You can't go outside without a mask. Uh, all of that stuff, it's, it's completely non-scientific, has nothing to do with health or or passing the virus or transmitting the virus. None of that has nothing to do with any of that. And if you don't follow these rules, they will extend your stay uh, at, the, at, <laughs> at the prison wow. camp, wow. Um, regardless of whether you're, you're sick or not. So, again, this is not about uh, health. This has nothing to do with health, health safety, um, keeping people alive. This has nothing to do with that. This is all about control, and these camps are a perfect example of that. Wow. You know, but I kind of agree with you, Brandon Smith. I, I just don't think there's any way that that's going to happen in this country. No. Uh, we're, right. we're, too, we're too heavily armed. <laughs> yeah, we've got too many guns. We're yeah. not going to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not going to happen, and not here. Um, I mm. think that they, they thought that they could scare people enough uh, initially that uh, people would, you know, voluntarily go along with the mandates to a point where they could build momentum and get control and then eventually just take the guns away too. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's definitely not going to happen. At this stage. There's just way too much resistance to it. Do you think there's a, a plan in, 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 in progress to eventually phase out the Federal Reserve note and just use the Fed coin? I mean, I guess they could do it over time. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's. I think that I have my suspicions about digital currencies in general and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, currencies like, like Bitcoin. Yes, we, we still don't know, actually, who, who created Bitcoin, <laughs> um, you know, who specifically did it. It, it, it's, it is a little odd that Bitcoin, the, the way it was designed matches up almost identically with uh, an NSA uh, paper on digital currencies. It was put out in 1996, I believe. So, really? really? Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, the Bitcoin itself matches up almost identically with some papers that have come out of gover- government agencies on uh, digital currencies and introducing digital currencies. Interesting. That doesn't mean that, that's, that the NSA created Bitcoin. It, I it may be legitimately the Satoshi or whoever... The, the person was legitimately created it for, you know, to try to fight against the central banks. However, from what I'm seeing, uh, as far as the bank reaction to uh, currencies like Bitcoin, digital currencies, uh, they're not, they don't seem frightened at all by Bitcoin. I mean, they'll, they'll sort of say, oh, this, is, this might be a threat to central banking. But then you see private, you know, massive international banks like J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, they're putting billions of dollars into these currencies yes, and sir. into Bitcoin, not just to invest, 
but also they're paying for a lot of the infrastructure. So, you know, who do you think is paying for a lot of these Bitcoin ATMs that are popping up around the world? You know, who who is doing that? Well, that's a, a lot of that money is coming from major banks. Hmm. So, uh, let's see. So, so then, do you, am I hear you saying that the real problem with these things could be what? Who's really behind it? How much money is in there with the bankers and the globalists, and what they could do to to drop it someday or make it illegal? But even if they made it illegal, the real crypto nerds say, "Well, they can't do anything. They can't stop it. There's only so many, and we'll always be able to use it or invest in it." <clears throat> well, I, you know, it's funny. I was approached back way back in 2009 uh, by some people who had asked me to uh, promote. Uh, Bitcoin. Really? And yeah, this was back when Bitcoin was like, you know, a cent or yeah, whatever. 25 cents. I um, remember the day. You know, which, you know uh, obviously, which, you know, maybe I should have took a bunch of Bitcoins <laughs> and ran uh, b- back then because, uh, yeah, they're, they're worth a lot of, you know, money, quote unquote, right now. Um, and I, you know, I've never, I've never really, I've never been a critic of crypto as far as, you know, playing the game, playing the market, trying to make money. Sure. I think if you can make money uh, doing that, you know, and treat it like any other stock, you know, on the stock market, if you think you can make money playing that game, then by all means, go ahead. Um, I've just never, I've been critical of it always as uh, a, a form of activism. And I don't think mm. that it is actually a form of activism, a, a way to fight against the central banks. I think it actually plays into their hands. Um, namely because it's, a, you know, Bitcoin itself. And back then what they were saying was, uh, oh, this is a completely private currency system. There's no way that they can track what you're doing, what your purchases are, so on and so forth. Well, it turns That's out that true. that yeah. was absolutely a lie. It was, it was not true. And I was very suspicious back then. Uh, and, you know, lately I've, I've seen a, a lot of evidence, including, you know, um, paper papers from the FBI, that sort of thing, saying that they've actually been tracking crypto uh, trades for years, um, tracking them very well and able to uh, arrest people almost whenever they please, uh, uh, tracking down some of these transactions through yes, Bitcoin. Sir. So it, it's, it removes all privacy and trade, and that's, that's exactly what the uh, globalists want. Um, they want a digital currency system where all privacy is removed as far as trade. Um, and so, the, you know, if the, if the privacy issue was a lie, then what else is a lie? And that's, you know, will they be able to just absorb all of these cryptocurrencies into a single uh, system and uh, make it into a, you know, a one-world uh, digital currency system, I, I think that's probably the plan. Yeah, that's probably what they want. Uh, well, maybe just good old gold and silver is going to be the way, the safest way to, to be at the end of the day. I mean, right? Well, they, they can't be tracked, that's for sure. Um, you know, cash is... You know, with all the problems that you you know you could point out with cash, at least you can trade it uh, without anyone yeah. tracking what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So. So we might get to a point where this thing really gets crazy. It'd be good just to have some good old American Federal Reserve notes, fiat currency, you know, to, to do business. <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it? <clears throat> Ironic. Well, it, it, at least until it completely yeah. hyperinflates, and right. then nobody will want them. But, sure. but yeah, it, it's better to 
it's better to <laughs> to have some cash on hand for sure, and also something that uh, is that tracks with inflation or increases in value with inflation. So, certain goods, which I would call like barter barter items, are going to track very well with inflation. For example, ammo. <laughs> you know, is it, ammo has skyrocketed in price uh, uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, and has tracked pretty well along with inflation. So uh, ammo itself could be, you know, a, for, a border, a barter currency. Um, gold and silver. They're uh, well as far as uh, tracking inflation. They've had problems mainly because they're suppressed by banks on the market using uh, the using paper ETFs. So, you know, in the silver market, for example, J.P. Morgan, every time silver starts jumping up yeah, past 30 bucks an ounce, yeah. they dump a bunch of paper ETFs on the market, and that creates a false sense of oversupply. And so then silver drops back down. But that can only last for so long, especially if, uh, you know, the physical, all the physical uh, coins are being bought up on the physical market yeah. and on the street. And once all that supply is gone in the physical market, then you're going to see prices skyrocket in, in precious metals, too. Brandon, we had a fellow on the show the other day. It was really cool, real freedom. You love him. And he's been using and promotes this idea of a uh, dime card. And there are these cards that you can actually make yourself and put a dime in there. And then there's a QR code on the back that you could scan and it tells you exactly what that diamond's worth according to the current spot price. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's that is really cool. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah. Especially as far as pre, you know, nineteen sure. sixty four coins that I mean. have yeah. silver in them. Yeah, the pre sixty four, the diamond. You could do a quarter or a half and do the right QR code and see exactly what it's worth today. And maybe at the farmers markets, people someday will say, "Well, that's cool. I'll take it." There are some companies doing that with gold as well. They're really? they're uh, putting uh, little slices of gold into these cards because you know a lot of people can't afford to spend you know uh, fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred bucks on a right. ounce of gold. So they're uh, you know putting these sort of uh, more like grams of gold into these cards and and then using that as kind of a currency system as well. So it has a QR code where it tracks the current price, so you know what it's worth. Is that the idea? Same. same. Uh, not that's no. that's a completely new idea to me. I hadn't hadn't heard yeah. heard of that before. But uh, yeah, the, the, you can track the values of the of these cards on online yeah. for sure. I thought the QR code thing was pretty clever. I mean, it's great. I mean, if the price goes up and down, then you know exactly what it's worth in that moment, and that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the tech if the tech if they can use the technology for for bad things, we could <laughs> use it for good things. For good stuff. Yeah, for good stuff. So are you a prepper? You you grow your own food and can and stuff like that? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, um, okay. you know, got the chickens. I got uh, the sheep. I got a big, big garden that I expand on wow. every, every year okay. if I can. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, been a prepper for probably 15, 16 years now. So. And what kind of uh, predators do you deal with to keep your chickens from being eaten? I, they used to eat my chickens when I had them here in Texas. Everybody would eat them. Uh, we mainly have bear problems out here. Oh, great. Bear bears and, yeah, so some of the smaller things, but the bears are the big one. They, they try to eat all your chickens at one time. So How do you um, keep them away? What do you do with bears? 
I well, I have a fence. I have a fence around the main chicken area, and then uh, you know, you just have to if they if a bear comes around, you you might have to shoot it. I I actually had a run in with with one over the uh, the summer where I you know got the rifle out and went out there, and then as soon as he saw me and the rifle, he ran, and I don't think he ever came back. So so you haven't had to shoot one. Now. I wonder uh, you've heard of these uh, huge dogs like Great Pyrenees and stuff. Would they keep the bears away? Yes, uh, dogs are really good uh, for a lot of things, and that a lot of that's a huge part of actually of the prepping world is um, the you right know, kind dog, of dogs are your dogs are your personal alarm system. You don't need electricity to to yeah. have your dog alarm. So. Yeah. yeah, but they would never take on a bear, would they? Would just try to keep them away. Oh sure, they'll 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 go after bears. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, it depends on the dog, but wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got a we got a uh, I got a mountain hound over here and uh, <laughs> and a, a pit bull mix. So they they pretty much will fight anything. So could you could you fence in your property to the extent to keep the bears out? Uh, you well, yeah, you could. could. It would be probably expensive uh, depending sure. on the property. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's better to just fence in areas that are like sensitive areas where I the see. animals yeah. animals are up. Yeah, fencing is not not cheap to do that. Uh, do you have what do you do for water up your way, Brandon? Uh, well, a lot. Most people out here have uh, well mm-hmm. well water, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, have. There's a lot of people out here that have uh, natural water sources, and I actually have a, a really good creek that runs at the back of the property. Ah. So I run a water pump system, and I, I use a pump that uses uh, very low uh, wattage as far as electricity, and and uh, so I can r- set up to where I can run my pumps off of uh, solar power if I need to. Yeah. So are you off-grid for your home, or do you still connect it with the grid? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I have to run the... If it was full grid down, I'd have to run the, the house well pump. It uses a lot of electricity, so I'd have to use a generator mm-hmm. to run that. And then once the gas gasoline runs out, then... You know that's done. So it, the the amount of money I'd have to put into a solar system to run that thing is pretty expensive. Really high. Yeah, so, really expensive. But then I got the creek there with the other the other pump, the the small mm-hmm. pump, and that's that would be my water source. And though your well water is it uh, nice water to drink? It's good stuff. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. Really? Yeah. yeah. How about do you get enough rain out there to collect rainwater? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, definitely a lot of rain, a lot of snow. Um, the only problem with uh, water collection, like outdoor water collection, is the wintertime. If it gets cold, everything freezes up. So It actually frees your tank? Yeah, if, it, if you have out, an outside system where you're, like, say, collecting water from uh, your roof or your gutters or whatever else, um, yeah, everything would freeze up. So no that kidding. stuff kind of, yeah, you kind of empty that stuff out. Yeah. But, it, you know, if you think about it, the snow is sort of a water collection system because it's, you know, weeks and weeks of uh, precipitation all stacked up in one place for you to, you can just shovel it up and put it in a, a pot and heat it up. Sure. You know? yeah. uh, last year, Brandon, the uh, first time, in my experience, 25 years out here in Dripping Springs, uh, we had pipes just kind of blew out. It was so cold, you know. Pipes that you didn't drain, like you say, just... Yeah, I think, um, well, one problem with uh, 
the you know it's funny the the Texas power grid situation where the that was know, the media the media tried to dunk, dunk on Texas <laughs> as if oh you think you're independent but look at your your power grid or whatever it, a lot of that was <laughs> if you look at the data on the, the power grid out there um, 30% of the power was being generated at that time uh, or right before then was uh, wind power, and that was being incentivized by the federal government. Yes. So it was uh, they would actually be paying people to put up, uh, you know, you know, businesses Windmills. put in wind power instead of doing natural gas. Um, natural gas was doing about forty to forty-five percent of the power at that time, and natural gas had to actually they they claim that is all the fault of the natural gas uh, lines breaking. Um, when in fact the natural gas uh, usage actually increased over that time period when the when that storm hit you guys, and then the wind power dropped from thirty percent to six percent because all the wind turbines were breaking. They froze. So, so it was actually the wind turbines that the federal government was incentivizing. That was the biggest uh, create problem that was creating those power outages. And then the fact that you had almost I think at least a million people moving into Texas in the span of a year, that's a huge jump in uh, power demand on the power grid. So uh, it's, you know, the way that the media spins things is uh, yeah. ridiculous. And it's a perfect example is when you get governments, uh, you know, giving people stuff that they don't, you know, giving them deals on this and that. They just screw things up, don't they? Just mess up the free market. They just mess it up. Yeah, pretty much almost every time you see you have government intervention in any sort of private market, uh, yeah, everything just falls apart, <laughs> and um, you know people end up on the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. much so. Yeah, and then all the malinvestment too of the central banks creating money. You know, malinvestment—it's huge, right? People just—it goes places it shouldn't be going in a natural environment. Well, and it incentivizes bad behavior. Yeah. So yeah. if you're if you're as a if you're a too big to fail company, um, and you know that the Fed is going to just uh, drop helicopter money on you every time you screw up and do something that's going to ruin your business, well, you're just going to keep doing. You're just going to continue with that bad behavior because yeah. you know that there's a safety net every time. Yeah. Well. Well, all the best to you and yours in the great state of Montana. And uh, thanks for being on the show from time to time. Tell folks about your website, what you do there, and how they can participate. Sure. Uh, they can see my writing at alt-market.com. That's alt dash, or I'm sorry, dot US. Dot US <laughs> the yeah. old site is dot com. Uh, Alt-market.us is the new website. Yeah, alt-market.us. Uh, do you have a news or do you have a mailing list that people can sign up for? I do have a I have a newsletter. It's mm -hmm. called the Wild Bunch Dispatch, yep. and they can sign up for that. There's a little uh, button on the website, alt-market.us. They can click on that, and that'll give them more information on the uh, newsletter. Mm -hmm. A listener just uh, emailed in. This is an interesting question. I should have asked. Um, I'm really enjoying your show. Have them on more often. Why does he have sheep? Why? Why? <laughs> they were. That's what they want to know. Why did you have sheep? Uh, well, mainly sheep are good for wool. You can actually you can get milk from sheep, and it's actually good milk. Um, it's more useful in terms of making things like butters and cheeses. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, if you look at you know New Zealand, uh, a huge part of their agriculture uh, is sheep. So um, there's a lot of products that come from sheep, but wool specifically, and uh, you can uh, also get use them for meat. So are you guys that preppy that you actually use your sheep for wool? Uh, well, we yeah we collect the wool and uh, sell it, but um, we don't spin it <laughs> into anything. Isn't it? I'm not, I'm not that far. I'm not that far into it yet. But um, yeah, you you can trade it to people uh, and people who know how to spin it. In uh, you can also use it to stuff things. So, um, for example, you can make a uh, a comforter or a blanket, and you can stuff the wool into that. And wool is um, ba- basically the best natural uh, insulator, unless you can get a hold of uh, just furs like um, you know beaver furs or that sort of thing. That's funny. Boy, you're one of my heroes. So come the revolution, you know, things just kind of close up. You're good, right? You're, you're, you're good. I would, uh, well, I hope so. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, the thing about prepping is that it's, it's sort of, you don't want it to become an obsession. You don't want it to right. run your life. Right. But uh, it is true uh, for sure that um, once you start prepping, it never stops. Never stops. Um, there's always something more that you can do to make yourself more independent. And uh, the best thing to do is just to get started with it. Um, and I tell people, you know, can you, can you, I ask people, can you survive for three months uh, without the power grid, mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. Um, the, the grocery stores? Mm-hmm. Can you do that? And if you can, then you're doing pretty good. You're doing better than about 99% of wow. the country. Wow. Yeah. Do you think there would ever be a case, final question, where these lunatunes would try to, shut down the internet? Uh, you know, it's interesting. There was actually a, uh, what would you call it, a war game that was being run by the World Economic Forum. Um, similar to Event 201, I'm sure most of uh, your listeners are familiar with Event 201, but they had a different war game called Cyber Polygon. And uh, uh, Klaus Schwab and the WEF, they said that Cyber Polygon was in preparation for a pandemic of the Internet. Oh, good. Which basically means a, a massive cyber attack. Uh, and I believe that, that that's a potential option for them is to not necessarily shut down the Internet permanently, but to hit the Internet with a sort of cyber attack that uh, directly affects um, you know, uh, the, the economy that's being run through the Internet. And wow. the fact that a lot of things are moving more and more towards reliance on the Internet in terms of commerce, um, that could have a huge effect on the overall economy, and, you know, the system in general. Even if the Internet was to shut down for just two, three weeks, oh, that'd be uh, huge, right? it'd it would be, be devastating be to devastating. the economy. Yeah, so I, that is one concern I have. The fact that they were wargaming this recently, uh, through that that cyber polygon event, um, that tells me that it's a potential plan for them. It's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do it, but it's something that they hold as a tool in mm. their toolbox. Yeah. yeah. Well, prepare for the worst and hope for the best, brother. Thanks for being on the show. Happy uh, uh, holidays to you and yours, and uh, we'll keep in touch. And we we really appreciate you coming on. It's been fun. Thank you. Definitely. Uh, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Brandon Smith, you can see his interesting, uh, you can see his um, connectability right there 
alt-market.us. Brandon Smith. Good stuff. It's nice to talk about these kind of things, isn't it? Well, folks, we are going to take a little break here and uh, tell you what we'll do is um, have some lunch, and then I suspect we're going to see you back on Friday. We have uh, uh, our, our regular Friday session. We're now calling it It Takes a Long Time to Get Young, and uh, that's what we talk about, and we have uh, lots to talk about on Friday. Thank you for your ongoing support. The way we support ourselves is by uh, promoting all the products you see on our front page, in our store. Look at our BitChute videos if you like to watch the videos and see the guests. Most of the time, not Brandon, but most of the time they're on video. That's on the front page of One Radio Network. It's BitChute. And then Telegram. We got quite a nice group uh, forming on Telegram. And the Telegram link is on the front page of One Radio Network. And you can join us there. And um, all of the archive shows audio are all right on below where we broadcast here our streaming and just uh, use our search function and find all kinds of things that you might find interesting for you. So, I love you all very much. Thank you. My email, if I can do anything for you, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Let me know if I can help with anything, any questions or comments, whatever. I'm here for you. I don't get too far from this computer Um, even out here in the country. So I love you guys. See you on Friday, 10 o'clock. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.